Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bellotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you guys. We have our associate editor of Shell Magazine and our resident energy expert, David Blackman, with us today. David, I'm really excited because we get to have you for the entire show because there's a lot to cover going on in uh, the world of politics as well as energy. So let's get started. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, you know, we have a lot to cover Uh, And so we are going to do an entire show with you because there's a whole lot going on in the world of uh, oil and gas and politics. There certainly is. A bunch of uh, things popping around. Uh, Let's begin with a little bit about uh, what is going on in Washington, D.C. You know, there's uh, always something happening every day out there. Uh, What are the revelations that are occurring? You know, first of all, they released the memo pertaining to how the FISA warrant was obtained Um, And since that time, you know, what is the latest revelations that a lot of people go to work and they come home and they hear some stuff on the news, but they don't quite really know what happened. So let's go back to what what was in the what was in the memo that was released and then how is this affecting the Trump administration and, of course, all the agencies that are intertwined in this memo of what they're alleging? Well, basically, uh, the the FISA memo that was released by the House Intelligence Committee uh, last week. You know, just basically laid out the facts uh, that the the FBI and Department of Justice in in seeking a, a FISA warrant to spy on uh, an operative that was a contractor to the Trump campaign uh, did so with this dossier, this fake dossier that had been compiled by Fusion GPS and this British agent named Christopher Steele in conjunction with a bunch of agents from Russia providing them all this fake information. It was all paid for by the Clinton campaign and the Democratic National Committee. That's all established fact on the record. And the FBI and the Department of Justice, uh, in obtaining the original FISA warrant, it has to be renewed every 90 days, and they went back and had it renewed three more times after the original filing for it, never informed the judge, never informed the judge, and this is also a matter of, of confirmed public record, never informed the judge that the Clinton campaign or the DNC was in any way involved with any of it. And who signed the warrants? Was it one person three more times, or were these different people involved in signing these warrants? Recertifying well, it was, it was different players over time uh, because, you know, the, for example, the last renewal was, was signed by Rod Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general, and that, that was in June of 2017, but the original FISA warrant was filed for in July of 2016, and it was renewed three more times, and there were different players, uh, you know, including Andrew McCabe and, and Peter Strzok and James Comey, blah, 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 you know, Loretta Lynch, you know, just a, a whole different array of players, all of whom misrepresented to the judge the nature of that dossier, which is a, is a felony violation of the law. And every one of them who signed off on any of those warrant applications 
is you know in violation of federal law and ought to be prosecuted quite quite honestly i doubt any of them ever will but uh you know it's just a clear violation of, of what they call the wood act uh you, you, it's just illegal for them to misrepresent the nature of any of the evidence they're presenting to the court and they all knowingly and willingly did that so that's that's pretty serious because yeah, you know a lot of you know a lot of uh people don't quite understand so you know you read a good fiction book and you're going to read something like this you look at the united <laughs> states and you recognize what just happened and you realize that you know uh this might not have ever come out had uh we you know had we had a different president in place and we probably would have never known that we're a banana republic at that point it's serious i i saw it on a facebook page somebody was posting you know what's the big deal i mean you know move on and i'm like well, you don't understand that the significance of this is not anything more than the fact that we came very close to losing our democracy when you start trying to change an outcome of an election and then you move forward trying to change uh, the dynamics of who uh, was elected as the president. It's pretty serious, pretty serious stuff, more serious than I've ever witnessed anything in my lifetime. So um, so what do you think is going to happen? You, you, you think that there won't be any charges, but I'm wondering with if, uh, if the Trump administration was kind of uh, a more of an easygoing, and maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's because it specifically happened to President Trump himself. Do you really think that he's not going to push these agencies to do something about it? Well, let me let me backtrack a bit. I do actually think there will be prosecutions in this. Hey, I, I don't think you're ever going to see Hillary Clinton perp walked off the jail. Uh, but you may well see people like Andrew McCabe and James Comey, even Comey, uh, and Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and, and the, the lower level people end up being prosecuted for this. It just takes so long. It's very frustrating uh, how slowly the wheels of actual justice turn in this country. But you know that the difference is, and I'm not trying to give Hillary Clinton a, a pass because I do hope she's prosecuted if she committed any crimes as well because no one is above the law. But I think when you find that it is people who are a part of the law themselves and they are crossing the line seems to be a lot more of a injustice to me than somebody who's not. So while I'm not giving Hillary Clinton a kitchen pass in any way, I'm just saying it's way more troubling to know that the people who are in charge of upholding the law are very much breaking the law. Yeah, and it, this is a big deal. You know, the news media is downplaying it, uh, but it's a really big deal. The Department of Justice uh, under Jeff Sessions will take it seriously. Uh, it, it clearly lays out significant crimes against the American people. And, you know, Charles Grassley, who's the chairman of the House or Senate Judiciary Committee, released his text of his own memo um, midweek. And, of course, the news media completely ignored it. But it's re actually really even more deep damning uh, than the House Intelligence Committee's memo. And, uh, you know, there's more to come. There's much more to come. Devin Nunes uh, says he's probably got five or six more memos related to the investigation, the year-long investigation that committee has conducted still to come. And, and the inspector general at the Justice Department uh, will be releasing, Michael Horowitz is his name, he'll be releasing uh, his formal report in probably early March, detailing his 15-month-long investigation into all the wrongdoing at DOJ and the FBI. 
And so over the next three to four months, there's just going to be an awful lot uh, on this front coming out. And, and some of it will, will, without any doubt, lead to prosecutions. Well, so the, the rest that's going to come out uh, here within time, what do you think will, will be on it in the sense of we, we kind of know everything that's happened at this point. The first memo laid it out. Is it more of details that are of how this occurred or is it something new? Uh, more more people. Uh, you know, for example, uh, Devin Nunes. Nunes is the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, um, and he, you know, he pointed out that, well, gosh, the, the State Department was also involved in, in this, in, in the illegal unmasking of U.S. citizens in, in their efforts to spy on the Trump campaign during the Obama administration. Susan Rice, a national security advisor, unmasked hundreds of people. So did the UN ambassador for crying out loud, Samantha Power. What's the UN ambassador doing unmasking people uh, under the FISA laws? Uh, The UN ambassador has nothing to do with any of this. So this was a widespread practice at the upper echelons in the Obama administration. And there's there's just tentacles to this everywhere. It's just really kind of amazing quite honestly. Pretty amazing in a very disgusting way that, you know, unfortunately, I think his history is kind of sealed of being uh, by far the most, unfortunately, the most corrupt administration we've ever had. Um, And that's really a shame because I think that a lot of people had hoped that, um, you know, really the first minority African-American president would really do some amazing things. And boy, did he. (laughs) He did some amazing things, all right, yeah. Uh, But probably not in the way that they want him to go down in history, nor himself, as you know, the most corrupt president uh, we've ever had in in the history. Um, But with that, David, stay tuned. We do have to take a quick break, and you are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. Have you heard of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, the largest state association in the country? 87 years strong, serving independents, and it's right here in Texas. Offices in Houston, Austin, and Wichita Falls. Over 3,000 members of all ages like you who are in the oil and gas industry or who have family members and friends who are. Company members range from one employee to large independents. Lobbying, networking events, and saving you money. For a membership tailored just to fit your budget, contact Sandy Simon at sandis at texasalliance.org or call 281-997-7223. That's 281-997-7223.
You know, great companies take great care of their employees. Ensure the well-being of your workforce with Baptist Healthy Solutions, your answer to convenient and affordable health care that comes to you. Our mobile health unit delivers on-site, state-of-the-art, comprehensive care that keeps your employees healthy from the day they're hired till the day they retire. From pre-employment screenings to routine immunizations to on-site injury care and more, trust Baptist Healthy Solutions with your workforce health care needs. Health care that comes to you. Call 866-334-2485. Again, that's 1-866-334-2485. Specializing in hard-to-find oil-filled parts for your fleet maintenance needs, oil-filled experts have been providing parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And we're back with In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is David Blackman, our resident energy expert and associate editor of Shell Magazine. David, before the break, we were talking about um, everything that has happened with the releasing of the memo pertaining to the FISA warrant that was uh, issued and now I want to switch gears just a little bit and, and discuss the budget that is uh, being voted on, on uh, does the government stay open and uh, <laughs> and within that, yeah. you know, immigration, how is that being worked out? So tell me a little bit about uh, budget and uh, is it covering uh, DACA? Well, I guess uh, what we figured out this, this past week is, is the way to avoid shutting down the government and, and uh, agree to an actual fairly long-term spending caps is to just put in another $300 billion over two years, you know, just raise spending everywhere. And suddenly the Democrats and Republicans can all agree. And that's essentially what they did. Uh, They're adding 160 odd billion dollars to the defense budget uh, for the remainder of 20 fiscal year 2018 and then through fiscal year 2019. And they're adding uh, another $130 billion in, in domestic spending so that the Democrats can, you know, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi uh, go out and buy votes with it. And, and so that, that adds what that, what, what's going to happen is because we use baseline budgeting in the federal government, don't use zero budgeting. We use baseline budgeting. So that just adds goes on top of the baseline for the budgets already in the government. And that means just what they've done is added on another $150 billion a year over the next 10 years. So it blow, it, this deal blows a $1.5 trillion hole in the budget over on top of everything else. So yeah, our grandkids will, will get to pay the bill for that and we'll all be long dead and gone, but uh, you know, somebody ultimately is gonna have to pay for that. And that's the way you get things done in Washington. You never actually address spending, you never propose to cut anything, you just add more money and suddenly you can get 60 votes in the Senate. And yeah, no, it doesn't address DACA. It doesn't address anything related to immigration. And so we're going to spend the rest of February uh, with a very loud and noisy and dishonest debate on immigration issues. And where do you think that goes? I mean, um, I think that the uh, the 30-year-old dreamers are, um, you know, quite concerned about what happens on March the 5th. Are we going to reach a deal? Well, I, I, I think they're going to be disappointed because the Democrats don't have any intention of making a deal on immigration. And the president is not going to agree on a DACA fix without money for, for border security. 
and without getting rid of the insane visa lottery system and, and putting some severe limits on chain immigration. And so the Democrats, you know, would much rather have uh, the DACA issue alive as a campaign issue for this year and really probably for 2020 as well. So um, I think what you're going to see happen is nothing on immigration. Personally, that's just my guess. And it's going to be a big campaign issue in the fall. Okay. Well, um, it's going to be a long <laughs> year. <laughs> it's going to be a long year for immigration and, uh, and uh, you know, these people who are kind of stuck in the middle. Um but I think we also, you know, should should say that, um, you know, 30 years being here and hopefully, uh, well, not hopefully, but never, uh, some of these people never applied for even citizenship. So uh, interesting to see, you know, what will happen, especially since they've had 30 years to look to seek uh, becoming an American citizen, but uh, they chose not to. I do want to switch gears and uh, get into, you know, what our show is about, which is oil. There's a lot going on there, too. Uh, a lot of... Uh, interesting uh, things are changing uh, as well um, so uh, let's begin with a little bit of uh, so the EIA which is the Energy Information Administration is reporting that U.S. oil production established a new all-time record in January which is actually more than 10 million barrels per day so how much of this uh, how much of the role is Texas playing in the rising production level David? Well, Texas is pretty much driving it between the Eagle Ford Shell and, and the Permian Basin. Uh, we have about uh, 60% of all the active drilling rigs in the United States are, are here drilling in Texas. And um, Texas produces almost 40% of the crude oil in the country now. 25% of, of the crude oil in the whole country comes out of the Permian Basin. So we're pretty much driving that. Uh, production is growing significantly in the Bakken here in recent months as well up in North Dakota and uh, in the in the scoop stack play in Oklahoma although it's been kind of leveling off the last two months because the the state government up there is about to raise the, the production tax rate again and they don't seem to understand that when you do that a lot of capital dollars leaves your state and, and goes elsewhere and that's what's fixing to happen in Oklahoma but it's, it's mainly being driven by Texas. The Permian is booming um, just really almost as, as, as much as it was in 2013 and early 2014. And um, it's, it's a real focal point for the whole industry at this point. True. And, you know, just to kind of give us a, an opportunity to understand the amount of production coming out of Texas, the Permian Basin is what, near uh, 400 rigs in uh, Midland area, Permian Basin, and Eagle Ford is is not at a hundred, but close to a hundred. And then everything yeah. else is just beneath that below those numbers. So right. it kind of gives you an idea 400 rigs in Permian basin. Uh, nothing's even coming close. And then of course we have our, our wonderful South Texas Eagle Ford shell. And then of course everything after that, very interesting. Of course, everything's coming out of Texas and everything great is made out of Texas, right? God bless that's Texas. Why, yeah. uh, there you go. <laughs> And uh, hopefully other states that have uh, shell plays in them would uh, would look and see what is uh, Texas doing right and, and encourage that. Um, when we come back, I do want to talk about the price because it has lowered a little bit and what is causing that. But we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Wolf Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. 
PISA is the Petroleum Equipment and Services Association, who is the unified voice for the energy industry's service, supply, and manufacturing organizations, advocating and supporting continued achievements in job creation, technological innovation, and economic stability. PISA provides corporate membership opportunities in two categories, industry and allied. Over the years, a lot of amazing companies have become members of PISA, but don't take my word for it. Click on the directory on their website and see for yourself. In order to become a member of PISA, all you need to do is go to PESA.org, click on the membership tab, and fill out an application. Once again, that's PESA.org. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side -side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three- and six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha source side-by-side -side owner study. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is David Blackman, our associate editor of Shell Magazine, as well as our resident energy expert. David, before the break, we were kind of, I was discussing the the amount of rigs that are in Permian Basin versus everywhere else. And of course, uh, Eagle Ford is, is, is a little bit beneath them, but the highest rig counts are coming out of Texas. It, what is special about Permian Basin that's making you know, 400 rigs compared to the closest Eagle Ford, which is approaching 100. What what makes it so special? Yeah, it, it, it's it's a couple things. Number one, it's just such a gigantic region. You know, it's it's bigger than the state of South Carolina uh, in total, just in terms of geography. But but it's also economics. That you you you're able to get more production for your capital dollar out of the Permian Basin because you have you know, just uh, almost a dozen different formations that are productive out there, whereas the Eagle Ford has one gigantic formation underground. Uh, in the Permian, you have all these different shale plays and conventional plays areas as well. And so in a single borehole, uh, you may be producing oil and natural gas from four or five different formations out of the same hole. And that just, you know, really maximizes the return in terms of production uh, for for the cost of drilling a well, and and so that's just why, you know, so many companies you've seen, you know, trying to get in there and uh, increase their pre-existing acreage positions, uh, just because it's it's just a better return on the dollar. And uh, yeah, and then the third, actually, there's a third major factor, and that is infrastructure. Uh, you, know, you know, you just have this area with low population, with pretty good roads, and you can get your equipment moved around pretty easily, good rail system, and, and a pretty good pipeline system, although it's a little constrained right now, but there's a, a lot of different uh, projects there, either building new pipelines or expanding existing lines to, to get more production out of the region. So it's just a, just a really good confluence of factors that made the Permian the the hottest play area I can can remember in a long time. 
And I think, though, that it also has to do with uh, good governance and a community that understands oh, yeah. uh, you totally. know, what's driving their community. And, and it's so interesting to see that when you understand what is good for the state and you understand what's good for your community, you also understand uh, that oil and gas is pretty green and um, pretty safe. And, uh, you know, to me, it's shocking to me how people still buy into all of this misinformation that's out there uh, on how oil and gas it's bad it causes this it's causing that and you look and you realize you can't live without oil and gas your life would look nothing like it looks right now you would we wouldn't have jobs you know I mean everything is driven by oil and gas and yet we still see what let's talk about what happened in Denton Denton uh, uh, they we received a press release discussing how Denton is pledging to be Oil and gas free and completely reliant yeah. on renewables. <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> Tell me about that. Well, it's not even possible. First of all, you know, I mean, it's not possible to be a hundred percent renewable. It simply isn't, uh, because the sun doesn't always shine and 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 the wind doesn't always blow. And Denton, you know, city brags about, yeah, we have contracts for all this wind capacity out here and this solar capacity over there and. And it adds up to 100% of our needs. Well, okay, good. But, you know, the wind's only blowing 15 to 20% of the time, and the sun only shines for about a third of the day. And the rest of the time, you've got to get your electricity, for you know, because people aren't going to live in the cold and the dark. Right. When the sun's not shining and the wind's not blowing. Right. And so what? where, where are you getting your power then? Where well, you're getting it from natural gas. You're getting it from a di- diminishing set of coal plants here in the state. And you're getting it from, from you know, the other types of energy uh, generating stations that are here in Texas. Not to mention it's more expensive, too. So wait till it hits their right. pocketbook and they understand how much they're paying for these resources. And, uh, you know, when you've got cheaper, you know, clean burning natural gas uh, as opposed to paying way more for Renewables. I just, I, you know, it baffles me that you want to make other, you, you want to take money out of your pocket and put it into somebody else's pocket when, you know, <laughs> I don't well, know. and if people really understood what's about to happen to them, they, they raise hell about it because what, what they're going to do to, to claim they're hundred percent renewable is get out on the renewable credits trading market and buy up a bunch of renewables credits. So that when they are getting their energy from natural gas or coal, they say, well, we're offsetting that with all these credits over here. And and the rate payers are not going to really see it in their bill. It's going to be there in the fine print way down at the bottom somewhere. And But they're going to be paying higher electricity rates than the rest of the state. And they're going to be doing that so these politicians can go to conferences three or four times a year and brag to all their colleagues from other parts of the country that, yeah, their city's 100% renewable. It's a pitiful, sad way uh, for these politicians to to operate, but but the Sierra Club likes it, so they got that going for them. Well, you know, they have to do something since the EPA has not been doling out a whole lot of grants anymore right now. <laughs> so they've got to uh, put something out in, in the press to show that they still are around, um, I would imagine. Uh, David, <laughs> <laughs> we do have to take a quick break. Uh, you are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. 
Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us. 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is David Blackman, our resident energy expert and associate editor of Shell Magazine. David, I, I want to switch gears and get into uh, the price of oil because, you know, it, it's been teetering. Uh, it did fall significantly this week. And I'm wondering if it is due to all of the U.S. production that's uh, coming online, what it, what caused the significant drop in oil prices? Well, the, the the short answer is basically all the volatility in the stock market and just globally um, has had a you know created a, a much higher degree of volatility and a drop in, in the in the oil price. Uh, it's a longer answer than that um, because all this volatility in the stock market has resulted in a stronger dollars. I mean, the dollars has gained strength against other currencies. A stronger dollar typically makes the price go down. Weaker dollar typically makes the price of oil go up. And so uh, over the previous three or four months, uh, uh, the dollar had gotten uh, quite a bit weaker. And so the price, that had influenced the price to rise. There have been other factors making it rise as well. The market's essentially rebalanced. But then you've had this pretty quick change in, in what the dollar's doing. And so that's influenced it. Uh, we're in a low demand season in the Northern hemisphere because it's winter and typically oil demand falls during the winter. And so inventories of oil have risen the last couple of weeks and that's influenced it as well. And then the, the news we talked about a few minutes ago about the, the record production here in the United States. And there's a lot of reasons why that happened in January. Um, it's kind of spooked the market into thinking that the shale producers are going to overproduce again. And so there's a lot of fear driving, driving that price uh, fall as well. Now, I, you know, I think it's going to keep falling, frankly. And, and uh, I think I, we talked about it on the last show, I, I, you know, my thought was that in the near term, the price is going to fall down in between 55 and $60 just due to natural normal factors like it's winter and demand is lower. But then after we uh, get past April or so, I, I still expect it to go back up and really still expect it to end up higher above, you know, where we were a couple of weeks ago, which was $65 WTI price. I, I think we'll probably still end up around 70 at the end of the year. 
Interesting. Well, you know, an amazing announcement, a dramatic announcement actually came out from Pioneer Resources that they were actually selling off all of their assets uh, that were in Eagle Ford and had, uh, and primarily they had been one of the biggest operators in Eagle Ford and they're exclusively moving to the Permian Basin. So I guess my question would be, um, how is this really bad for South Texas? I mean, I obviously um, jobs are going to go uh, to Permian Basin out of South Texas, but yeah, you know, it, it, it's interesting news. Let's put it this way: I mean, per, uh, Pioneer is a terrific operator. We've had them on our cover; they're amazing. Yes. Right? Yeah, they're a fantastic company, and and for the region, the Eagle Ford region, you hate to lose a really good operator like that. But they're going to sell that acreage to somebody, and uh, to buy that much acreage in the end, prime acreage. It's really strong acreage. So somebody very substantial is going to have to buy it from them, and you're not going to be able to sell that to some some fly-by-night company. So, I, I you know, I, it's not like those acres are going to go into non-production. And so it just, you know, we'll wait and see uh, who, who comes in and buys that stuff up from them. Um, it's great news for the Permian Basin just in the fact that here you have one of the, the prime you know, premier operators, large independent producers in the country saying, uh, I'm so enthusiastic about your region of the country that I'm going to bet my whole company on it. Yes. And this is a 30, probably a $30 billion market cap company. This is a big, big company. So um, it's, it's major news. Uh, I just almost fell out of my chair when I read that press release right. Tuesday morning. And, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a big, big deal. And, you know, it's just also, um, you know, great news for Permian Basin, but Pioneer is just a stellar, stellar company. Um, switching gears, uh, the same day that Pioneer made that announcement, Halcon Resources announced that they were acquiring additional, an additional 22,000 acres in the Permian Basin as well. Yeah. So uh, companies are buying up everything they can in the Permian Basin. Uh, from what I can tell, or or am I just imagining this? It's like it, the hottest play in in the United States is Permian Basin, and everybody's jumping in and and throwing their hat in the ring with this. No, it's not your imagination. You know, um, the the deal making out there when you really look at it, deal making all over the country kind of uh, slowed down quite a bit the second half of last year, and uh, there were a lot of reasons for that. Just mainly companies trying to be conservative and see where the market went. Uh, and it has picked up here in recent months. Oasis Petroleum in late December, you know, did a, a big acquisition out in the Delaware Basin part of the Permian and, and in Reeves County. And Halcon's deal is also in Reeves County, and that's kind of a hot play area. That's out close to uh, the Alpine High area that Apache's been developing. So there's a lot of really good, re- strong resource out there. And uh, yeah, and then, of course, last week we talked about the you know, Exxon's announcement that it's it's going to uh, triple its production in the Permian Basin over the next five years to, by dedicating more resources there. So, yeah, the pace is, is really picking up out there this year, and uh, and hopefully it'll start picking up in other parts of the country as well. Yeah, and, you know, you think that, um, you know, with so much activity going on in Permian Basin, well, what's happening to Eagle Ford? And I just want to reassure the listeners, nothing is happening in Eagle Ford. It's not going anywhere. Um, remember, ExxonMobil is moving into uh, 
the southern part of Eagle Ford close to uh, Corpus Christi yeah. as uh, an ethanol cracker plant. So, I mean, there's a right. lot of activity still going on in Eagle Ford as well. Great. Both plays are in Texas. Uh, glad that we have them both and uh, excited to see, um, you know, the, the operators just moving around um, in these different uh, shell plays. But, David, uh, we do have to take a quick break. When we return, I want to get on the topic of NAEP and its conference. Uh, It will be uh, in Houston next week. So stay tuned. We uh, will return. You are listening to And the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Oil Field Experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Specializing in hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, oil field experts have been providing parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oil field experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Pick up the phone today and call 210-240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is David Blackman, our associate editor for Shell Magazine, as well as our resident energy expert. David, I want to switch gears and talk about right now, NAEP conference is, is, is ongoing in Houston. Daniel Jurgen is actually uh, said that he thinks that the U.S. could produce an additional 2 million barrels of oil per day by the end of 2019. Is that really possible? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, that's possible. I think you could you could have another million barrels a day coming out of Texas by that time. But don't we run that risk again of overproducing and dropping down the price? Or is that yeah. moving in that area? Right. So taken in a vacuum, it's definitely possible. But then you then you have to 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 think about well what what's the impact going to be on the price, right? Because in order to really ramp up drilling to to the extent you're talking about to get there. You're going to have to have a pretty strong crude price, and then pretty strong means above sixty dollars, probably, really, because uh, you, you're not going to be able to produce that much more, you know, just out of the Permian Basin. And so, um, as you as the U.S. ramps up its production, uh, these other countries in OPEC and Russia and Mexico and elsewhere are going to be looking at that and thinking, well, geez, you know, we're we have quotas put on our production. We are artificially limiting what we're putting onto the market. And are they really going to stand idly by and and continue to limit themselves while the U.S. eats up that much more of global demand? But the other side of it is that that's and demands the other part of it, because global demand is expanding a lot more rapidly than the United Nations and the International Energy Agency predicted it would back in November. They predicted that global demand this year would grow by 1.4 million barrels a day, and it's probably going to grow 1.8 million barrels a day, maybe even close to 2 million barrels a day in increased demand this year. And uh, so 
even though the U.S. production is going up, so is demand. And so you just have it's it's hard to just explain over the radio. But I mean, you just have all these variables in that statement by Mr. Jurgen, who's just a brilliant man. And I would never even try to argue with him. Uh, but it, it so much of it just depends on how these other countries react to a really significant increase like that in U.S. production. And that's really what significantly is holding the price because of the agreement with OPEC and Russia that they are limiting their output. And uh, so, um, you know, it is a very uh, delicate balance. And uh, a lot of this is is on the backs of the United States producers to, uh, to you know, maintain a certain level as well and, and hopefully not overproduce too much. Something very uh, interesting also happened with news coming out of China, and that was, uh, you know, how in the world did they become the uh, largest importer now of uh, crude versus it used to be the United States, and now it seems as though uh, China has moved into that role. What in the heck happened? How did that happen? Well, it... <laughs> Yeah, it, it's well, China's economy has grown so much over the last 15 to 20 years since they implemented their, you know, free market reforms, uh, limited free market reforms. Um, you know, it was a, a, a very backwards country for many, many years under communism and under feudalism before that. Uh, but, you know, in the in the mid 90s, they implemented these democratic and free market reforms to some extent and freed up their economy. And it's, you know, there's a billion people in China. Uh, they're, they're four times as many people. And so they use a lot of oil and they're importing about half of the oil they use. And it turns out that's more than what we're having to import into the United States now. Right. Well, you would think, though, the, their commercials and stuff, everyone rides around in bikes. Uh, that they wouldn't yeah, use so much, but obviously a lot of people uh, need resources such as oil and gas, a uh, perfect example of uh, China needing it. And so, you know, changing gears just a little bit off topic of oil and gas. So President Trump announced that we will be having a uh, parade for our military. <laughs> Tell me a little about what your thoughts are on the, the parade and the announcement. Well, it's an interesting subject. I mean, we've had military parades at the many times before in the past, and it's not like it's the first time that would be done. He wants to honor the military by, by doing something like that. I don't really think it's an unreasonable thing. Of course, news media reports it as if he's Adolf Hitler and, you know, he wants to become a dictator because he wants to have a parade. It's just bizarre, the the, the leaps of logic they go to. But, you know, Ralph Peters, Colonel Ralph Peters was on Fox News and they asked him about it. And he said, well, you know, because the, the idea germinated with President Trump when he was in France last year and they had a parade. And Ralph Peters says, well, you know, France has a military that marches really good and puts on good parades. We have a military that fights really well. And uh, so he didn't like the idea. But, you know, who am I to judge? I, 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 if they have one, I'll go. Well, exactly. I was going to say, I'm looking forward to covering the parade, and I'm looking forward to going because I do want to honor our uh, men and women who put so much in, in the way of sacrificing and their families 
for our great country and democracy, and I think that we uh, should honor them. And so a parade is definitely something that I would uh, think would be a, an honorable thing to do to, to show our support for them. But, David, that is all the time that we have for this show. Thank you for uh, spending a little bit more time with us to uh, produce an entire show because it's always very nice to get caught up with everything that's going on in the way of uh, shale and politics. Uh, And so until next week when we talk again and uh, cover more exciting news that I'm sure (laughs) something will change uh, in the way of politics in a week and we'll be covering more of those topics. Sounds good. I look forward to it. David, thanks again for being a guest on the show and that's all the time we have. But be sure to like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash in the oil patch radio show or follow us on Twitter at Shell Mag. If you are interested in keeping up with in the oil patch radio show or the latest issue of Shell Magazine, you can do that. It's free. All you have to do is go to www.shellmag.com. Again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com and sign up for our free newsletter. Be sure to like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash in the oil patch radio show or follow us on Twitter at Shell Mag. That is going to wrap up another great show. We'll see you next week with more exciting news and insightful interviews. Until then, adios. In the oil patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas business and in your community. Every week, our host Kimball Otto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on in the oil patch.